Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And, per tradition, at the start of the month, Chris and I shoot the flames, and that's what we're here to do. I thought you were going to say you have your monthly. We're having our monthlies. Shark Week, as I like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) What? I know what you call it behind my back. (laughs) Shark Week. Yeah. You do it. Uh, yeah, so this is when Chris and I uh, get together to talk, as we do throughout the month, as you all well know. And But this time we talk about um, all your comments and questions, and listen to your voicemails. We talk about horror news and watch trailers, read reviews. We do all the things. Yeah. And shoot the flames. What do we want to talk about first? Can we talk about House of Usher? Oh my god. Yeah, so we got our new, uh, we are, you know, as, as our oldest listeners know we are flana fans complete flana fans uh maybe not like flana fanatics i don't know i'm kind of a fan of flanatic uh i'm not as much because i don't like everything equally that he's done Mm. you know and we're talking of course about mike flanagan and so his latest and last as far as i know on netflix yeah is the house of usher Right. He started that relationship with the House on Haunting Hill or House on Haunted Hill or one of those. The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House. Yep. And uh, ends with House of Usher. And in between that, he's had Bly Manor and um, Midnight Mass. Midnight, yeah, Midnight Mass. And and Midnight Club. Midnight Club. And of course, uh, I'm thinking the bookends of, of his career on Netflix are the best. His first and his last. I mean, I would say so. I have not finished House of Usher yet. I started it kind of late after its release, and I am five episodes in. So there's three more for me to go. Right, and you're going to love them. Uh, of course, Lennigan's done more than just TV or Netflix. He's also done things like Oculus and Doctor Sleep. That's right. At uh, the latter of which we've done a deep dive on. Mm-hmm. Have we ever done a deep dive on Oculus? I don't think so. We have not. We also did Hush, which I think is a really good home invasion kind of slasher film. Never seen it. It's good. He's, I've seen maybe like half of the movies he's done, actually. You've seen like the Ouija movie he's did. I did right? see Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I like I really, really like Flanagan's work very much. I mean, like just like any director or writer. I mean, like I don't I don't like it all equally but i i never seen a flanagan film or tv series that i disliked well i feel like he's like kind of the promise of like american horror story but like he he kind of actually did it and succeeded at it in a way that american horror story didn't and similar similarities being that he's kind of on a single kind of channel with some of these like you know netflix and then of course he has his own acting troupe that he kind of built up and has brought through, you know, um, and he's built upon, right? And so now with House of Usher, he has people like Mary McDonald of uh, Battlestar Galactica and um, Dances with Wolves fame, mm-hmm. etc. And then, of course, Mark Hamill of Star Wars fame, etc., uh, has added to the the very big and large and illustrious cast that he normally brings along with him through his movies and other things. And so um, this one in particular is great. And of course, it's, it's based on the works or his interpretation of the works of Poe. And I, I think we feel like we knew early on that he was going to be involving lots of different Poe stories or Poe works in this particular series. And I kind of like how well he's integrated all these different stories into one family, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he really took some time to think about Poe's work 
and um, how he could like just put it into one series without having these like single standalone episodes, which is how all of Poe's work has been done. And there's even anthology movies that's only Poe, right? But they're like single stories that are being told. Like this one is sort of like woven into each other. Oh yeah, it's other. totally woven in. So it's it's more Poe than we've ever gotten before in one place for yeah. sure. And uh, there's even stuff that's kind of tied to some personal stuff in Poe's life and mm-hmm. personal beliefs and different things as well. So if you really, really want to uh, annoy your loved ones while you're watching this, then every time Verna uh, speaks, you can say Quoth the Raven. <laughs> would you say Quoth or would you say Quoth? Quoth the Raven. <laughs> if you say it fast, it sounds the same. Quoth. But quoth. Uh, you haven't no, even finished quoth. it. I have not finished it. <laughs> so I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, we we can't recommend it enough. Yes, I am super looking forward to finishing the series. Um, this is one of those watches where like, you really, really want to continue watching it, but it's already like 1130 and you need to go to work the next day yeah. kind of thing. And um, like, I'm not much of a binger when it comes to, to series, but I feel like sometimes... It, with Flanagan stuff, I, I sort of watch it much quicker than I do other things, like series-wise. Like, I binged all of Midnight Mass in pretty much a day, oh, right? Yeah. It's easy to do with this stuff, and that's yeah. kind of a tradition for me, is to watch it in one or two sittings. So, um, and this was really, really good. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that and this took a while to come out. I feel like we've been talking about this on Shooting the Flames for a while, and um, I'm really excited to finish it. Did they stagger it, or is Netflix... Um... When you said it takes a while to come out, did did they release all of it together? I think they did. No, they did. But I mean, like, okay. I feel like this has been finished they're for like a the while. Last net, they're like the last streaming service that still does that, I think. And even then, Netflix sometimes doesn't do it. Mm. This one um, this one should have come out last year. So oh. its release date is kind of pushed back a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. I, f- I feel like um, that may have been a little of Netflix holding on to some Flanagan stuff. You know, yeah, after maybe. the contract ended or he announced that he was moving to Prime. Well, because he was working on Midnight Mass when COVID hit, mm-hmm. right? And so had to work through that. And so Usher was his first post-COVID project as far as I know. And then, you know, besides Midnight Mass or not, sorry, not Midnight Mass, but Midnight Club. Right. Meanwhile, his contract has ended with Netflix and Amazon has won him over where presumably he will be doing the Dark Tower series. But no one knows for sure. Yeah. He has a lot of things on his docket. He does. Like he's announced like fucking season of passage. And uh, as far as like, yeah, being, that he wants to do yeah. it or mm-hmm. that he's maybe option to the rights or something like that. But we'll see. We shall see. But guys, we can, we cannot stress this enough. Like it's been a while since we've done a flamers favorites episode or even talked about that segment on shooting the flames. But this is definitely something that we would put in that area and I'm fairly certain that when we get to our year-end horror episode, like, we will be talking about House of Usher again. For sure. And it's a little, for me, it's like a little monologue heavy. It's a little um, Dolby Shock heavy, but still very, very good. And because it's a letterbox, because it's a miniseries instead of a series, I am going to be including it on my top ten. And I had already planned to do that as well. So, look forward to that, you guys. We have a new review. Do we? Not really, but I mean, it's on YouTube. <laughs> okay. What is it? So Kitty Kelly left us a comment on the top 13 X-Files episode over on YouTube and took that as an opportunity to give us a review, I guess, and said, Quoth the Raven, (laughs) Film Flamers is one of 
two podcasts that I actually listen to and the only one that reviews films. Being the only horror lover in my family, I really appreciate Robert and Chris's hilarious takes on every film they watch. Not only are your reviews spot on, but your quotes on quotes is pee my pants funny. Mm-hmm. I will forever hear, quote, they're all going to laugh at you. Fuck me gently with the chainsaw. And my favorite from The Exorcist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ever become <laughs> too famous that you end this podcast. And by proxy, the best thing on the internet. By the way, any thoughts about deep diving my favorite French horror film, High Tension? <gasps> Do I have thoughts about that? Katie Kelly? First of all, thank you. No, he doesn't. <laughs> for, for all those kind words. Um, I feel like we have no intention of becoming so famous that we end this podcast. I feel like the more famous we get, the bigger our podcast will grow. So High Tension is my f- second favorite French horror film. So, Yes. Uh, I feel like we've been threatening to do high tension for quite some time. And your number one being knife plus heart. Yes. Knife plus heart. Mm. So good. So, Tough so to beat. Good. It is. High tension is great. I've never seen it. I know. That's why I'm waiting for us. Well, we should probably watch it before we deep dive it. But. I really want to see it. It came out kind of in the mid to early aughts, right? Like it's kind mm-hmm. of around the time hostile came out. It's like 2006 ish. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's very, very violent. It's very, I mean, like all French extremity is, mm-hmm. right? But it's also really queer. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I just like it. So, yes, we have some thoughts about deep diving into your favorite French horror film, High Tension. Sweet. Stay tuned, Kelly Kelly. We have some more comments on our Top 13 X-Files episodes, though. Nikki over on Patreon said, y'all got this one so right. And I'm always geeked to get a shout out. I watched all the X-Files episodes in real time. And then again, when I was on maternity leave, I might do it again now. And I was cracking up at the in a world voice on the episode teasers. I forgot about those. Thanks so much, gents. Yeah, I was lucky to find those. I thought maybe, maybe just maybe someone's like, you know, posted the trailers for the original trailers on TV for these. And uh, I think they were just the recordings. It was great. Just the audio. I mean, it could I, be used because back then you had uh, the clips that they would put out for radio and TV. Uh-huh. And so they had to work for both. And it was just fucking perfect. I loved it. That was one of my favorite things about listening to that episode or all those trailers. So uh, and thank you, Nikki, for that comment. And I know that you um, had some suggestions when we were talking about doing this. And we're always thankful for your input here, here. Livy over on Patreon said, Honorable Mention Season 3, Episode 3, DPO. Picture of very young Giovanni Ribisi and Jack Black being spooky to Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter. Delightfully 90s. In fact, I think that episode um, opens with Hey Man, Nice Shot. That's the first time I'd ever heard that song. And then um, this is about Giovanni Ribisi having an ability to um, essentially generate electricity and kill people. And Jack Black is his best friend who he kind of abuses over the time. And so it's a really, really interesting early episode. And so I guess it's not that early. It's season three. But of course, as we mentioned, I think it was season three or season four that was like rated as like one of the best seasons of TV ever of all time. Anyway, I almost put that in our top 13 list. So if you go through these, you're going to remember that one because it is a memorable one. And I remember you showing me the still image of this, the little yeah. screen cap, right? Jack Black is so young. Because he looks super young. You're like, look at Jack Black. And I was just like, the fuck? <laughs> so that's why I say, hey, man, nice shot. Mm-hmm. What a good shot, man. 
Um, yeah, and I am going to go back and watch these. Like, I was so intrigued watching the ones that you had picked out that I want to watch this show. So, you've done it. Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, like Robert, this show was a miss for me at first. I don't think I realized how much fun the show was having, and I still think the show is strongest during its Monster of the Week episodes, although it's hard to overstate how much Queen Anderson carries the show. Hear, hear. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Best drinking game ever. Love it. From our deep dive into the 13th Warrior, Battle Burrito said, I watched this around 9 to 10 years old, and I remember it being so scary. I think the story would have worked better as a 10-episode miniseries. I also think so. I feel like they could have stretched it out. Or even eight, six to eight miniseries, yeah, episode, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. 10 maybe a little much, but like much longer than the movie that it was. Right. I'm thinking like The Terror, right? Which was like eight episodes or something. Sure, yeah. I mean, like it, it needed more room to breathe and to grow. For sure. Patrick Swalinski Art uh, over on Instagram said, underrated flick for sure. 100% horror adjacent. Thank you for that validation. Yeah. I mean, because we were making that argument. And that episode. And I feel like they could have leaned into the horror a little bit more and they may have, you know, in other cuts or whatever, but like, um, it's truly a horror adjacent movie for sure. Yeah. And is it horror adjacent or is it just another excuse for me to edit Jerry Goldsmith soundtracks into my podcast episodes? I mean, you do like to do that. It's your hobby. I noticed that after the fact though, like I was like, Hmm, we're really covering an (laughs) inordinate amount of Jerry Goldsmith movies, regardless (laughs) of their genre. You should just like subconsciously pick these things. Let's put this on the docket. I'm like, that's a drama film. (laughs) If we ever cover Congo, you're going to (laughs) know. We're covering Congo. Scraping the, bo- the bottom of the barrel there. Hold on. <laughs> We're covering Congo. We, we've got to, really. I love Congo. Amy. Smith, animatronics. <laughs> Tim Curry. <laughs> My God. Tim Curry says, zinge, 5,000 times during the movie. <laughs> What's that to love? Right. So many first watches Evil for me. albino gorillas. It's perfect. I love that movie. I saw the theater twice. Uh... <laughs> So many first watches for me in the month of October. Like I had never seen any of those X-Files episodes. I'd never seen 13th Warrior. Like a lot of firsts going on. Mm. Um, What I did see, however, or had seen before was Third One Three and Ghosts. And we got some comments on that deep dive. Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, I just get this feeling that a huge amount of movies in the aughts were trying to be edgy, but ended up really dumb. Well, you have that right. That is correct. That's what the odds were all about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Lestat sent us an email and said, Gentlemen, there's nothing so lifeless as the chewed grizzle of semi-urban humanity. This misery has a name. Kettering, Ohio. <laughs> in a strange moment of serendipity, 13 Ghosts is on the television in this quote-unquote hotel. I will watch it and think of your episode. It is, by a considerable margin, better than watching this carnival of disappointment transit the parking lot betwixt the Red Lobster and what I can only assume is a Hooters. The H is burnt out. Hooters? (laughs) From the sixth floor, it closely resembles what I imagine a Walmart must look like from God's point of view. Rascals. Hovrans. Walkers. And the stuff of an ever-increasing rate of divorce. (laughs) Keep up the fine work. Sweet dreams. L. <laughs> Call me Lestat. I live for your emails. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Even. I love the word betwixt. I use it often, far more than most people should. From our shooting the flames back in October last month, Nikki over on Instagram said Robert saying so 
much. Made me think of the flames. Flames on the side of my face. Breathing, breathless, heaving. (laughs) When did you say so much? Uh, We were talking about something and I was just like, so much. Yes, yes, yes. In this very like inflexible We we are constantly doing that, yeah. (laughs) Flames on on the side of my face. Yeah. Breathing, breathing, heaving, heaving breaths. Um, Watch Clue if you haven't. Please. Uh, There's like a 4K thing coming out for Clue too. Like I'm super excited about it. There's like memes that are coming out about the stuff that I watched live and I didn't understand at the point because I was just watching the show. Like there's like this thing all over um, TikTok right now with uh, one of our favorite actresses from American Horror Story. What's her name? Jessica Jessica Lang. And of course she's in her, it's it's at the end of uh, The Witch one right yeah and she's like uh looking she's like it smells like cat piss and <laughs> fish <laughs> right which i got at the time but then what i didn't understand she's looking at the wallpaper like the walls because it's like a cabin or whatever and she's like what is this naughty pine <laughs> <laughs> and so people have turned that into like a meme and i'm like why wasn't i laughing at that when i was watching it i mean for real also all over tiktok a couple years ago, maybe was one of her quotes from Murder House, where she's like, "It's what the gays do, <laughs> butt stuff and celebrate Halloween or something like that." <laughs> I mean, like she's like meme queen on that show for real. She uh, should uh, graduate and go to the Flanagan. Oh my God, Mike Flanagan, please cast. Could Jessica you imagine Lange. like Jessica Lange and Mary McDonnell doing like uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane the sequel or something? Like, yes, give me a break. I certainly can. From our deep dive into Dream Master, Nikki over on Patreon said, I adore The Long Kiss Goodnight. Hard same. Great reference. Thanks for the reminder. I know I've seen this movie, but I only remember the kills. I don't recall any of the plot because there's not any. (laughs) (laughs) We both love The Long Kiss Goodnight. Did we ever deep dive that? That's kind of adjacent-ish. Very, very adjacent-ish. It's a Christmas movie. It is. It is a Christmas movie. I will give you that. There's dead people. There is. There is dead people. But dead people does not a horror movie make. But we can deep dive it anyway because it's good. All right. Well, uh, from our deep dive into Dream Warriors, Sarah Gregg seventy five on Insta said, "It is nigh on impossible to watch the film without hearing Robert singing Dream Warriors." <laughs> We're the dream warriors. Don't want to dream no more. Yeah, My God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the fucking harmony we just did right there is like recording level amazing. Well, we are recording, so. We, oh my God, where's that Grammy? <laughs> we captured that magic. <laughs> <laughs> From our deep dive into Predator, Kimberly over on Patreon said, Fun fact, the pervy kid from Kindergarten Cop also played Gage in 1988's Pet Cemetery. Between Achilles tendons and sex organs, the kid got quite an anatomy lesson at a young age. What is a good fun fact? Boys yeah. have a penis, girls have a vagina. Mm-hmm. That boy? I, I'm guessing, yeah. He's a cute kid. Mm-hmm. 
Call me Lestat said over on Patreon, I was shown Predator when I was, I think, nine, perhaps my favorite film ever, except, of course, Interview with the Vampire. For the longest time, when I was a child, I would panic at night knowing the Predator was going to get me. And I covered myself in every blanket and sheet I could find in the room and even in the linen closet. Preteen me was certain, was entirely certain that enough fabric would block my heat signature from the encroaching EBE. X-Files Extraterrestrial Biological Entity. Obviously, I can't say with authority that this worked, yet I remained unpredatored. <laughs> so much like our haint paint here. <laughs> Why roll the dice when you don't have to? Haint paint? I'll tell you about any time you'd like. What makes Predator is show don't tell, a trait of McTiernan films, while anchored on nostalgia. Virtually every poorly delivered throwaway line, Afghanistan, question mark, I'm trying to forget it, etc., speaks to large universe anchored in the oversaturated reality of 80s lore. Dutch. Why you pass on Berlin? General V are not assassins and V don't do that kind of work. <laughs> I don't know why I made him sound like that. Question to ponder, now that it's spooky season, what is the difference, if there is one, between a graveyard and a cemetery? Get it without cheating, and my next message will be in the time-honored tradition of your braver guests, a voicemail. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, we would like a voicemail, please. Is that a threat or a promise? Oh. Um, Uh, Also, what is the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? I don't know. I would assume a cemetery is attached to a church. Mayhaps. And a graveyard is not. Mayhaps. I was going to say a graveyard is maybe is more casual, right? May or may not be marked versus like a cemetery is like actually like, you know, documented. I mean, we're not cheating right now. Lestat, obviously. Um, because we're just like shooting things out there. But you say church graveyard, but you also say church cemetery. I don't know. I've seen cemeteries. Now I've seen like Medlin Cemetery. It doesn't have a church next to it. Hmm. I've seen cemeteries without churches. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe churches have graveyards. Maybe. Maybe graveyards are just a yard and a cemetery is a lawn. Hmm. Hmm. Tell us. Tell us in voicemail form. What's that? From our hot take from Overlook Film Festival 23, Nikki over on Spotify said... Watched Talk to Me and really liked it. Thanks for the recommendation. We also watched The Boogeyman, which was another good one. Gotta find another good watch tonight. Friday the 13th. Why don't you watch Friday the 13th? <laughs> Why don't you watch some of the movies that we covered for the 13th? Yeah. She probably already did. It's Nikki. She, she's probably already <laughs> seen them. I mean, like, come on. Um, I'm glad you liked Talk to Me. Like, I'm still singing its praises. Um, and... I find myself wanting to move it higher up on my top 10 list for the year so far. I saw the boogeyman in the theater when it came out in June and I thought it was okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it because of your middling review of it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Mm. It was way better than I expected it to be. I had very low expectations for that movie. Okay. So keep those expectations low and you might enjoy it as well. Okay. From our top 10 Halloween movies. My goodness, that's a blast from the past. Glazed Donut over on Patreon said, Okay, I know this is an old episode, but I need to know, has Robert watched The Crow yet? I heard that and went, Scoosy? (laughs) The Crow was the catalyst for so many emotionally tormented high school boys in my day. And for me, between Brandon Lee and Michael Wincott, I swear I caught the vapors. 
The Vapors. The Vapors. Yes, I had educated him very soon after that episode, I guess. Yeah, it was really quickly after that. Yeah, and you liked it. I did. I thought it was good. Yeah. You know? It's one one of those that's more important than it is good, maybe. Yeah. I mean, for the death of Brandon Lee, especially. But it's also a very visually arresting film. It is. is interesting. I liked it. I liked it glazed on it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, I did not catch any vapors, but I can see, like, I mean, from my day as well, all the tormented boys in school were very crow-like. I think everyone should revisit our top 10 Halloween movies. List. We used I think to we need post to. it every year. Uh, when we don't do three episodes or more or whatever yeah. uh, on October, sometimes we do. But this this month happened to be um, pretty heavy, right? Uh, because we wanted to take advantage of the Friday the 13th and do all of our 13 content without doing Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think I, I just want to rewatch some of those on there, like The Guest, you know? Oh, my God, yeah. Was The Guest even on there, or was it an honorable mention? I don't know. I haven't. So I've gone back to re-listen to a lot of episodes, but I don't think I've re-listened to that one. I might do that in honor mm-hmm. of the upcoming holiday. Yeah. Although, this is Shooting the Flames for November. That's true, but everyone knows that we record this early, That's right? True. Yeah. Okay. From our episode into Trick or Treat, Glaze yes! Donut over on Patreon said, another first watch for me, even though I have owned this movie for years and apparently have simply forgotten to actually watch it. It was definitely a fun, light watch and perfect for watching when carving pumpkins and drinking. Or just, you know, while drinking. <laughs> Werewolves are my least favorite and watched horror genre, but... Same. I would love to see more movies like this involving women being werewolves. Ginger Snaps is the only other film that I can think of that allowed for young women to be this type of hairy, ugly predator. Filmmakers usually preserve that image for the older hags in their 40s and older, (laughs) I say, more equality. Also, I love the fact that every Brian Cox acting project and interview displays him as a completely self-aware curmudgeon. I fully respect that side of him. You know what else he's good in? The longest good night. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Brian Cox is a completely self-aware curmudgeon. So um, I'm glad that you watched this movie. Finally, Glazed Donut. I feel like we we love Trick or Treat. It was our number one, I think. On the Halloween just, type thing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just so Halloween. And this was a movie that I just randomly watched on a whim. I think Chris also randomly watched on a whim. And we both end up just loving it. Like before we even met each other. Yeah. So, like, this is one of the early movies when Chris and I became friends that we were, like, randomly said to the other. I can't even remember which one of us said it first. Like, have you seen Trick or Treat? And the other one was like, fuck yeah! <laughs> so, like, clearly. Hannah Paquin. <laughs> our, the first season of our podcast, if you're going to divide it into seasons, years, uh, we had to cover this movie. So, I'm glad you watched it. Right. Werewolves movies suck for the most part. We've said that many times on the podcast. Wasn't there one recently that we liked, though? I really liked like Werewolves Within or something like that. The yeah. comedy one. Yes. Right. That was really funny. For real. You know, and kind of unexpected. Yeah. So. But it's not centered on, it's like centered on the, you know. The townsfolk. The townsfolk versus. Trying to figure out who the werewolf is. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Check that one out. You might like that glazed donut. Uh, from our deep dive into Suspiria. Jesus, glazed donut. All the blasts from the past. Uh, Liz Donut over on Patreon said, first time watch for me, and I like it more than I thought I would. The use and intensity of colors and the score didn't necessarily make the film scary, but did give it a creepy other world feeling. I love movies about witches, but I do think Dario Argento could have shown more witches being witches. 
It would have made the stakes higher for Susie, in my opinion. Also, if you are giving me a Disney-like bat attack in a witch's movie, it better have a Bette Midler singing performance attached to it. That being said, I can appreciate the movie, and it's definitely going on my must-watch-again list. I'm eager to check out the newest Suspiria soon, as I figure it will have more witch action in it. And it does, but not in the way you probably want. Yeah. It's good. Like, watch it, for sure. Watch it as a comparison. I really like the, like, so uh, my friend Alex watched Suspiria for the first time and then watched the remake um, like a year or so ago. And I think it's really good to compare and contrast those two movies, right? And we have a hot take on the new Suspiria you can listen to as well. Yeah, I just feel like they're about two different things, you know? They are. They're two very different films. One's more of a straightforward horror film and the other is like sociopolitical background. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that's the first time that Dario Gento did anything sociopolitical. (laughs) <laughs> I'm making a joke. Opposite. I was joking. Okay. <laughs> that really threw me for a loop. I was like, no. Wrong. How did I fuck that up? <laughs> I'm not communicating. Uh, Glazed Donut, keep going through the older episodes. Send us some, like, some, uh, send us your thoughts on them. And if there's more first watches, I definitely want to hear about that. Yeah, because these movies are they're all timeless, and so our deep dives are we still stand by all of those. That's right. I feel like Suspiria is one of our best episodes. I really, it's our really second deep that. dive ever. I know. I mean, I really i I loved that episode. I love. I, re- I can remember recording it. Right, like it was good. I had such a fun time with that one. We got a question and comment, or maybe a comment and question. I'm not sure. Yes, yes, from Bear Brown. Okay. Yeah. So he said. When I heard you were going to discuss the Ring films and Ringu, my cinematography senses kicked in. One of the biggest differences between Ringu and The Ring is the cinematography. Ringu followed more of the novel's treatment of the curse, or Sadaku, not Samara, as a visual element in the framing of the characters. As Sadaku's curse gets stronger, the camera angle gets higher. The cinematography of Bohan Bazelli was amazing and beautiful, but to me, the composition of Ringu was more demonstrative. For example, in Ringu, the main character is introduced in low-angle shots until she enters her cousin's room or watches the tape. Sadako's curse is strong at these times. The main character in both versions are hard to root for. In the Japanese or the Korean versions, one of the things that I found is the Japanese version, she was doing things that to American audiences wouldn't really get. In the American version, she relies more on the babysitter than have an actual relationship with her son. In the Japanese version, her kid was left alone most of the time while she worked. She would let the kid be home from school by himself, like a latchkey kid, but often he'd be locked out. Standing outside their apartment is where his father found him in Ringu. So I think making the main character somebody that you don't like, but yet at the same time sort of sympathize with because they're trying to save someone they love, that's a key factor. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I don't agree with about the cinematography. I think that's interesting, but I don't think it was... um, Maybe demonstrative, but I don't think it was consistent enough to really catch on even even subconsciously for me. Maybe if I was studying the film from a film, you know, study perspective or something like that, maybe I would I would have more appreciation from it from from just like a, a moviegoer, a popcorn eater, you know, watching this movie. I still prefer the the gorgeous cinematography of the remake. I completely Personally. agree with you. If I we're just like, talking cinematography. Yeah, if we're just talking about cinematography, I feel like the American remake is better, right? But I mean, because I, I didn't notice any of that while watching Ringo, and I've seen Ringo a couple of times, you know? 
it makes me kind of interested to kind of watch it again. And I didn't think that I'd be saying that after watching Ringu this last time. That's what I'd really love when the character, the, the camera can become a character and really yeah. start telling the story. But I don't know that it was that significant, mm-hmm. but I do like that detail and I didn't know that. So thank you very much, Brer. Very Bear. much. That's going to germinate inside my mind and I'm going to nerd out from now on. Nerding out is good. Just don't get any on me. Oh. Uh, lastly, he said, just wondering if y'all have mentioned Scare Package or Scare Package 2. Now, that's a you question, I think, because I have not seen Scare Package. I've seen the first Scare Package. I have not seen the sequel yet, and I liked it. Um, I know that I think we probably mentioned Scare Package on one of our end-of-year horror episodes, at least, or maybe back when we were doing some Flamer's Favorites stuff. Which we probably should do sometime soon. It's been a, a minute since we've taken the time to talk about some of our watches, horror or non. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've def- definitely mentioned Scare Package 1 at least uh, one or a couple times on the podcast. And I need to check out Scare Package 2 because I really like anthology horror. We got some voicemails. Really? From whom? Well, we've got one. Well, actually, we've got two from Kimberly. Okay. Hey, guys. It's Kimberly. Okay, uh, number one, um, I apologize for the voicemail where I was talking about Julian Sands. That sounded kind of interesting. Um, I didn't mean it to be. I was trying to be funny. But when I went back and heard it on Shooting the Flames, I audibly cringed. So, um, yeah, anyway. Um, number two, Robert, welcome to Middle Age. Are you a Virgo? I'm a Virgo. I was the third. Um, I had the pleasure of going through the change now that I'm in my late 40s. Uh, so I am hot, sweaty, smelly, hairy, and it blows. So I better come back as a man in my next life because this is fucking bullshit. This is what it is. Um, I had a number three, but I don't remember what it is. And I still don't have a job, but, you know. Whatever. Oh, I remember what it is. Um, the only reason I remembered your birthday, Robert, is because of Facebook. So, um, uh, sir, if you, uh, Chris, if you want a little birthday shout out, um, you know, you're going to have to remind me because I will forget because I have ADD menopause brain. They need to do a whole movie about menopause. Okay, bye. And uh, following up with this one. Uh, one last thing, Robert, Kimberly. Um, I appreciate the job offer or the, you know, <laughs> whatever that was. Um, but I am too old, decrepit, and too hot flashy uh, to work in food service. Um, and also, although I love you guys to the moon and back, I hate Texas just as much. I hate Texas to the depths of my soul. Um, and you would have to drive me kicking and screaming in order to work there. Okay, bye. Well, how very dare you? Texas is a huge place. We're bigger than most European countries, for the love of God. Also, um, I'm taking umbrage here because you're going to be a man in your next wife. Well, guess what? In your next life, you're going to be smelly, stinky, hairy, and all that stuff your entire life instead of waiting until your late 40s. I mean, I am especially hot and sweaty and hairy, but we just take it for granted. Also, I also hate Texas a lot of the time. You know, for making me hotter and sweatier, usually. And possibly hairier. And possibly hairier. Certainly for the politics involved in this state. So I totally get it. The offer stands, though. I mean, if you want to try food service, it's um, it's in a hospital. 
I mean, so there's medical something or other, yeah. right? I know you do some research. I am not a Virgo. I'm a Libra. So. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what any of that means, Me really. <laughs> I'm the scales. But, you know, I don't know. Menopause sounds terrible. Like, anything that women have to go through their entire lives sounds terrible. And, like, I, I fully wish I didn't have to do any of that. You're just basically becoming a... You're transitioning. <laughs> I mean, you have to spend your entire lives having Shark Week. Although, Kimberly, I hope that the job search gets better. And I hope that menopause is a very short experience for you, hopefully. And there's not a horror movie about menopause, but there is a musical, and it's called Menopause the Musical. It's called Mommy Dearest. <laughs> Bring the axe. <clears throat> Keep the voicemails coming and let us know how you are doing, ma'am. Speaking of voicemails, we've got one from Bennett. Hey, Tired Queens. It's Bennett calling. It's been a while since I called in, so I thought I'd... Uh change that here uh, a couple i meant to call a couple weeks ago when there was a lot of the exorcist coming out uh, i was on vacation and went back to my hometown and saw uh a it was the 50th anniversary screening that was you know i think playing around the country from fathom events there and i think it was the, it was the extended version which is not my favorite but anyway anyway i still enjoyed it there and a couple days later ended up seeing the new exorcist movie which i'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on that if you ever get around to it because i i it was it's okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, I meant to do that a couple of weeks ago there, and uh, uh, I'll end it with uh, doing my rendition of what I think has become our favorite little piece of music from the franchise there, the one that goes like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoosh. <laughs> it's a fun one. Bye. Bennett it's been not necessary it's been a while it's good to hear from you Um, (laughs) and that was a very good rendition of yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, neither Chris or myself have seen the new Exorcist movie what's it called? Believer 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 Believer. you better believe it Um, (laughs) we have not seen it yet and uh, as it was being released, The Exorcist, The Arrows Tour. <laughs> I have seen that. Uh, that's right. Make no mistake, listeners. There are so many horror movies happening in the theater. And I drug my <laughs> best friend and podcast host to see Taylor Swift, The Arrows Tour. <laughs> you did. You really did. Um, we could do a deep dive on that. But that's a different podcast. Anyway, so we're probably we will be seeing this movie before the end of the year. But um, as the reviews were coming out for this movie and the trailer and whatnot, I was just like, oh, I don't really want to watch it. Yeah, I, I just keep hearing I didn't really want to watch it before. I'm not a big fan of the guy that made it. And, you know, it didn't look particularly new for me. And hearing some spoilers as well as like what people are saying and seeing your review rating on letterbox, sir. Oof. I'm not looking forward to it, but I know I have to do it for our top 10 because it's a biggie and I am not going to be able to walk away from it. Okay. Let's watch this together. Like when it's available on VOD. Yeah. So at least we can like mystery science theater, the shit out of it, please. Let's let's like gummy ourselves into, into oblivion. Into oblivion. <laughs> We're going to sit down and watch exorcist believer. And then 
once we're sufficiently gummy to like erase that movie from our minds, I will turn on selections from Taylor Swift, the Eras tour mm-hmm. to just like bring us back to a good place. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like I make no mistake, you guys, like I was singing out loud watching that. I was trying to be quiet. Could you, you hear no, me? I, no, not at all. Good. I was singing quietly enough. Well, like, maybe a little bit, but I expected it. Well, actually, by the like toward the end of it, like I was, I had, I had a Taylor Swift themed drink, right? And then I switched to beer, and then I had like I had so I had like a cocktail and like three beers. So by the time that third beer was drank, I was I felt a little bit better, like screaming things out. But no, I was still trying fine, to be respectful. There was like the little girls that were like three rows in front of us where. They were like putting on their flashlights on their phones and like. Yeah, but they were having their best life though. They were, you know, and I think by the end we counted that I knew five songs out of 40. That's right. Five out of 40 Taylor Swift (laughs) songs. I was very impressed actually. And as it turns out, I knew the lyrics to every single one of those 40 songs. Holy shit. (laughs) So I don't know if I should be proud of myself or not. Anyway, uh, we don't have any new patrons. We don't, but we do have an opportunity to shout out the patrons at the Film Flamer tier or higher. That's right. At the Film Inferno, which is our top tier, we have... Calmulostat. Kimberly. Penelope. And at the Film Flamer tier, we have... Anthony. Ashley. Ben. Big Dave. Glazed Donut. Jessica. Lisa. Nikki. Rosie Red Leader. And William. But especially... Kimberly. Yeah, Kimberly. I can see Nikki, call me Lestat for sure, and Glazed Donut for going back in time and sharing some of their thoughts on some of our older episodes. So all of you guys went above and beyond this month, and we appreciate you guys giving us all this content to talk about on Shooting the Flames. And if you would like your name mentioned, head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers, join the family, vote in the polls, get all of our bonus episodes, and we will say your name on the next Shooting the Flames. Horror News. Chris, if you were teaching school, perhaps elementary school, what movie would you not show children? Uh, probably Exorcist Believer or Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Well, some teacher did that. <gasps> Which one? Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh. So she has shown that movie in school to a bunch of children who went home traumatized and told their families. But that's not the only piece of news about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. A sequel has been announced with a promised kill list of over 30. 30 kills in one film. Well, I'm glad to see those students actually learn something in school. That's right. About but trauma. what I'm hearing is virtually impossible. <laughs> they learned something. Uh, the sequel apparently will also introduce the characters of Christopher Robin, Tigger, and Owl. Oh, Maybe Eeyore too? I can't remember. Tigger wasn't in the first one? No, it was just Piglet and Pooh. Okay. Although I haven't seen this movie yet. I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It got insanely popular. (laughs) Popular enough to show children, apparently. Okay, well. So. I'm thinking that must be something like her just thinking Whitney Winnie the Pooh. But like, what grade was this? It was like fourth or fifth grade or yeah it was like elementary school level children right but it would be like too <clears throat> too old to see something like from winnie the pooh winnie the pooh is for like elementary or like like earlier than elementary or like preschool right right yeah i would think so so it was like literally the, the teacher really fucked up like <laughs> i mean that's it they're all i mean even, even if that person like just 
mistakenly put it on or whatever. Like, how do you misread the word blood when you're looking at a Winnie the Pooh movie? I want, yeah. You know, I keep thinking of these things where it's like she went to the local blockbuster that might still exist and like someone put the, the wrong VHS in the wrong box, you know, on purpose or something, but no such place exists and you really literally would have to stream something i don't know maybe she just really wanted to not be a teacher anymore but she didn't want to quit from what i hear everyone doesn't want to be a teacher anymore yeah mostly mostly uh but that was an amazing piece of news let's move on (laughs) uh ridley scott has apparently seen fiddy alvarez's new alien movie and calls it fucking great that could be sarcastic though so i don't know (laughs) it's not apparently i mean if you're according to fiddy alvarez so he said that Ridley Scott has seen his movie and sent him a message saying that it was fucking great and he loves the direction that he took it in and so on and so forth. And so I guess this gave a boost to Fidi Alvarez and maybe the release of this movie, which is going to be coming out very soon. Really? So, yeah. There's no trailer. No, but it's it's finished. It's edited. People are watching it. It's ready for release. Really? Wow. Okay. Do we have any kind of idea of the release? No, there is no release date set as of yet. Wasn't there, there is a TV show that's completely separate also coming out? There at some is point? a TV show that is completely separate that is coming out on Hulu. We've, yeah, we've talked about this several times over the mm-hmm. years with Shooting the Flames. Yeah, so we've been talking about the all these sequels that are happening, and the time has come. The time has come for the great alien Fiasco? rebirthening, <laughs> the renaissance. Well, maybe sometime in 2024. Maybe for both. Who knows? Maybe. maybe we'll I mean, watching. I'm kind of interested. I, I would watch it anyway, you yeah. know? But, I mean, I, I'm kind of curious to see. And I wonder, like, I wonder how much Ridley Scott was drinking when he watched it. <laughs> or something. Who knows? I don't know. I don't really trust his judgment anymore. <laughs> no. Uh, Universal Horror Unleashed is coming to Las Vegas very soon. So it's like Halloween Horror Nights, but it's year-round. In Las Vegas. I already want to go to that big ball. Whose big ball? The big ball. The, the big sphere. Oh, the sphere. Yes. In Las Vegas. So yes. I saw the sphere when I was in Las Vegas recently watching Adele. And uh, it's pretty cool. Like we were driving, we were driving on the bus, going back to our hotel down the strip. And the sphere was lit up and it had like a revolving globe on it. Like it just looked really fucking cool. Um, and I would love to see something inside of it. But I've never been to Halloween Horror Nights. I've always wanted to. And so to have a year round location that has like universal quality, like haunted attraction, haunted house stuff that's going to be like alternating throughout the year on different properties and things like that. Like this is something that I would go visit like every time I go to Las Vegas. Mm. So I'm super excited for this. Me too. I might actually go to Vegas. Oh my God. I've driven through it. We need to go. But I'm definitely want to go to the sphere, and I would definitely want to go see Halloween Horror. I'm just not a big gambler. That's fine. You don't have to gamble that much. You can watch me do it. Oh, okay. Plus, there's like things to eat and drink. Why not? Sure. Mm-hmm. Like Fuddruckers. <laughs> that was a different casino. <laughs> oh, I just figured it was a thing. Like, you know, there was a Fuddruckers in every casino. In every casino, there's a Fuddruckers. <laughs> Do they even have the like the there's weird cheese? art deco and Greek architecture and then there's the Fuddruckers? I don't know. <laughs> Where's the Fuddruckers though? <laughs> I see the Greek architecture. <laughs> what else we got? Mike Flanagan's Stephen King's Life of Chuck <laughs> is apparently a thing. <laughs> so many apostrophes. <laughs> 
and is now uh, announced to star Tom Hiddleston, of course, Loki, Mark Hamill, Chiwetala Ejiofor, uh, who was in, I want to say, the movie versions of Firefly, Serenity, yep. as well as 12 Years a Slave uh-huh. and other things. Uh, Doctor Strange. Mia Sarah, randomly. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this one. Matthew Lillard from mm-hmm. Scream. Yeah, Mia Sarah was a legend, right? <laughs> yes. And then uh, David Dasmalchian, which has been in shit tons of shit, including one from the festival that we saw about the late night host. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in that movie. Yeah. And he was in um, Dark Knight. And Karen Gillan, of course, who was in Oculus and, of course, also plays um, whatever the fuck, Nebula. Uh-huh. In Guardians of the Galaxy. And Kate Siegel, of course, his wife, Flanagan's wife, uh, Rahul Kohli. And, of course, these are the the, the people in his uh, troupe. Jacob Tremblay coming back from Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. And Heather Longenkamp now yes. joining the troupe more officially since Midnight Club. So Heather Longenkamp and Mia Sara and Mark Hamill. <laughs> I mean, come on. This entire cast, though, this is a stacked cast. Now, do you, do you have any idea? is a cast that large for Life of Chuck, whatever that is. Yeah. So, I mean, Life of Chuck was a really, really good novella from a collection called If It Bleeds or When It Bleeds, one of the two. But it was really, really good and surprisingly touching. And it's sort of told over like three different sections of a man's life, right? Um, but um, from the end to the beginning. And it goes from like moments of like horror and sort of like suspense and mystery to some like really touching moments uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I can see where this cast would fit into different places and be this stacked, but, um, I don't know. I'm kind of seeing, I'm really curious as to how he's going to make this movie and is it going to be on a streaming service? Is it going to be like a theatrical release or something like that? Um, could even be multiple parts, but, um, yeah, there's a place for all these people in this. So I'm wondering if like Karen Gillan you know, and Kate Siegel are playing like the younger versions of Mia Sarah and Heather Longenkamp and some of those earlier versions or something. It's possible. If the same characters show up in each time period. I don't know. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really, it's a really, really good novella. Like I, I think I have like an audio version of it. If you wanted to listen to it, like it's, it's really good and went to places like it starts in such a way that I was intrigued. And then as it went on, it just became something completely different. In fact, like, the last moments of that book or even like the last moments of some of these like different sections of that, that book or short book, like brought me to fucking tears. Like it was so good. I can't wait to see Matthew Lillard either too. Like everyone. And Mm -hmm. of course, Tom Hiddleston is playing the, you know, eponymous character, Chuck, the titular character, not eponymous titular. Yes. Mm -hmm. What does eponymous mean? I think it's right too. Yeah. So they're both titular. Yeah. They're both titular. Okay. One's just more masculine than the other. <laughs> Gender roles. Um, but yeah, I, so like I, I'm looking forward to this very, very much. I didn't even know they were making a movie. And now that I know that Mike Flanagan is doing it, I am very, very excited. Because the only film that we've gotten from that collection of stories at this point is Mr. Harrigan's phone. And that was kind of a letdown as a film. Hmm. So, But... I will be following all the news for this, for sure. Coming soon. So, we have uh, um, a handful of trailers to talk to you about. 
a lot of these come out in December and then one beyond. The first one we're going to talk about is a movie called Eileen, which will be in theaters in December. And contrary to popular belief, this is not about a one-legged woman, but is about what's her name? What's her, what's the actress's name? <laughs> Thomas and McKenzie. No, Eileen. Oh, Thomas and McKenzie. That's right. She's in this. God damn it. She plays Eileen. Yes, she plays Eileen. Come on, Eileen. What is the name? <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Thank you. <laughs> I like how we can successfully record an entire shoot in the flames, like with the most straight faces. By the time we get to trailers, we're just like laughing at everything. <laughs> Come on, Eileen. <laughs> um, so this movie does, in fact, have Anne Hathaway and Mac- Thomas and McKenzie, and it looks very noirish, very lesbiany. Is Macintosh Muggle Bones in this as well? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's in the one coming up. Um, <laughs> Um, and I don't know. It just looks really good. Like I'm super excited to watch this. Is everything that I love in it? Like, just sexual mystery, noir, lesbian, Hitchcock stuff. That's that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. If you want to describe this, it is listed as a psychological thriller, so I don't think it's going to disappoint. No, and it seems like Anne Hathaway is doing her very best Sharon Stone, and it's a period piece, right? Or no? Yeah, it takes place in like the 50s, I Okay, think. right. And so she's the new prison psychologist. Mm-hmm. And, and this little lady... Uh, works at the prison doing yeah, something. doing something. And they form this weird bond. And it seems like Anne Hathaway's character is playing some games with her, a la Basic Instinct. And it also seems a little bit like Sharon Stone's character from Diabolique, you know? Yeah, like, a little um, lesbianist. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm kind of here for it, though. Mostly because I love Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And I would watch whatever she did so but come on eileen be released next we've got silent night which is a john woo movie and i haven't heard of a john woo movie in a long time i feel yeah. like he was uh theoretically the king of of action right action directors back in the 90s maybe yeah i mean so face off and so on oh okay well uh this is gonna be in theaters in december and it looks like a straightforward action so um you know this is starring um not jacob Tremblay. Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman, who was in RoboCop remake, mm-hmm. as well as in a bunch of different stuff. In fact, uh, he's on an Apple TV show called um, All for, for All Mankind. That's amazing. So if you haven't checked that out, check it. But, um, you know, Silent Night, I guess it's a revenge film during Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah. a Christmas-themed action movie. It looks very stylized, a la John Wick, right? Yeah, it does. Um, <clears throat> the trailer has no dialogue in it. Nope. So I guess except for, you know, I'm going to kill you motherfuckers or something. Well, he just writes that. Oh. Do you think this movie's silent? Do you think no one speaks in it? Is that oh, what's called God, silent night? I really hope so. I mean, that might be the gimmick that saves it from oh, mediocrity. I would love that. Really? I would love that. I would love the shit out of that. Okay. All right. So maybe I want to see this movie more than I thought. I like John Woo movies. You know, at least I did when I was a teenager. Did you say John Woo Woo? No, I said like John Woo movies. Okay. I went to John Woo Woo. I would never say that. I like John Woo Woo. <laughs> I do like John Woo Woo though. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'll watch it, but it looks really violent. It so does. I'll, I'll also great. watch it for that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, 100%. Next up is a trailer for a movie called Lord of Misrule. And this is on 
demand and in theaters in December. And it looks really folk horror-ish. For it sure. does. And it even has the, you know, one of the main guys from, you know, A24 is The Witch. Mm-hmm. Ralph Ennison. Ralph Ennison, yeah. yeah. This looks very, very uh, full core with a capital F. That's right. And I am here for it. So it seems in this movie, a vicar has lost her daughter or has been kidnapped or has gone missing. And the strange town folk are helping her try to like locate her daughter. But they're also like in on it. Yeah, it seems very nefarious. It seems like a big kind of like weird role play kind of thing wicker yeah. manny kind of situation it's very, it's very wicker man like maybe like pseudo sexual kind of folk yeah. stuff going on um it also stars a woman whose name is tuppence so <laughs> tuppence mcgee or something <laughs> tuppence mcgee <laughs> tuppence muggle bones <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. i don't know either way i dig some folk horror so i will probably certainly be watching this i also like ralph Innocent. Next up, we've got Lisa Frankenstein. <laughs> and this is a movie that is directed by a woman director. I forget what her name is, but this is written by Diablo Cody, who, of course, is famous for doing Juno as well as that one movie that we did a deep dive on. Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body. That's right. Which was also directed by a female. But so. this isn't out until February of 2024, but it is kind of a, you know... Maybe a future deep dive for us in February, actually. Yeah. Uh, because this is a little bit more like she's building her own little lover, lover boy. She's building a Frankenstein who she brings to life in a tanning bed. That's right. And, uh, and she's kind of giving me like Wednesday Adams vibes a little bit. Yeah. She's like, she's super, she's super gothy. Not in right? a stoic sense, but you know. In a dark sense. In a dark sense. Yeah. Like writing on black paper with black ink. Yeah. Right. Um, and also, I mean, this movie is taking place in seemingly the sweet spot of like either the late 80s or like very early 90s. Well, yeah. And that's the whole point. When Lisa, Lisa Frank, Frank was yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, for you guys that don't know, that was like all of like the binders and folders and everything that you and buy stickers. for school. And it was all like neons and hot pinks and, you know, all of that shit back then. I was so mad when I was in school that I couldn't have Lisa Frank stuff because of gender norms like today. If I were a little gay boy back then. Well, like, they had the, the boy versions of it, right? Like, I think it was like a sub brand or something. Really? Like, like no fear and shit like that. Oh, well, that's yeah. way too masculine for me. I wanted Lisa Frank stuff. <laughs> I just wanted dolphin stickers to put on my fucking Trapper Keeper. God. <laughs> I don't know. This movie looks delightful, right? So I'm really, I'm really digging the holiday horror of it. And I'm trying to pretend that Diablo Cody is not involved. Oh. So that's okay. I recently saw... An Alanis Morissette musical that was written by Diablo Cody, and it was just abhorrent. And now she is the writer who shall not be named. And now, if I ever see Diablo Cody in person, I will. What was I calling her her back in that episode? I kept forgetting her name, so I called her something else. (laughs) It was not Diablo Cody. I know. (laughs) Whatever it was, it was well deserved. She ruined Alanis Morissette. Diabolique Salt Shaker or something. <laughs> no in my brain. Diabolique Salt Shaker. <laughs> I'm going to put you in charge of making people's drag names. Coyote Weiss. Call her like... <laughs> yes. Call her like Coyote Ugly or something. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, the point is, go see Lisa Frankenstein. Don't go see Jagged Little Pill the Musical. Well, ever. 
I think that just about wraps up our shooting the flames for November. As always, we want to know what you think about uh, this episode and all of our episodes. You can find us to leave comments on social media at the film flamers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, threads. Okay. And you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. My diabolique salt shaker needs some shit. <laughs> Tuppence a ball. I don't know. It was going for some weird Mary Poppins thing. <laughs> Feed the birds. Tuppence a ball. <laughs> Wrong. I don't know what that means. I don't. It's Mary Poppins. I I know, but what's the the second part? A ball. It's tuppence a bag. So I said tuppence a ball. I don't. Oh. I went way too like <laughs> obscurely gay with this. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we have a lot of content coming out for you in November and we are back to one of our favorite topics from last year and that was gateway horror. So we are talking about wizard of Oz and then we're taking a return to Oz and just doing the damn thing. Mm -hmm. And then you'll find the outputs of all your hard work and whatever we cover over on Patreon, which will be another gateway horror poll that's right so head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers you will find that poll vote in it if you voted in the poll last year and your movie wasn't chosen fret not it will probably be on this poll again that's right so go do that join the patreon family get all of our bonus episodes and hear your name on shooting the flames well robert yes chris the tigers come at night Mostly. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm ready to have some sweet Sweet dreams. dreams. Come on, Eileen. You, the implications of that in a sexual way are bad.